I'm just uh, so proud of David um, coming up here and sharing. And he, uh, yeah, amen. If you've known uh, David for any length of time, you know that that was definitely one of the hardest things that you could imagine him doing. And it's been funny for the last several weeks, before service or after, he'll just kind of wander up here and just be like, okay, just getting used to being up here. And so it's been really, really amazing. And thank you for being transparent. Yeah, I think that uh, there's no greater witness of God's amazing redemptive love than a testimony of a life changed. And that's why we really celebrate testimonies here and why we think it's so important. And so, again, David, thank you so much. In the uh, few minutes that we have before we get into communion, I just wanted to share some thoughts and reflections on Psalm 90 with you. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for what has already transpired this morning. We, thankful, we thank you that you are faithful and true, and Lord, how you honor those who honor you. And I thank you so much for David's testimony. I thank you for David and Caitlin and little Gracie, Lord. And what you are doing, you are making them a shining beacon upon a hill. And so, Lord, I ask that you continue to pour out your great grace upon them. Father, I thank you that you drew each person here that we, Father, are drawn into a deeper relationship with one another, with you, Lord, most of all. Lord, I thank you that you do want us not to be enthusiastic admirers, but truly followers of yours. And so, Father, in the minutes that we have here before we enter this time of communion, Lord, help our hearts to get right. Lord, help us to seek you in all that we do. We just thank you and praise you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Does anybody happen to know the most read section of the newspaper? And I have the newspaper here. One would think sports section, right? Got a lot of men here. Sports, nope, that's not it. Then maybe the comics. This was really at the top of my list, um, but nope, that's not it either. You know what it is? It's actually the obituaries. It's the most read section of the newspaper. And so this is today's newspaper, and we have Anne D'Amico, Edna Dawson, Anthony Morell, Mary Yackel, Milton Richardson, and many more. As I read through those names, I've been thinking, what were their last thoughts? What were their last thoughts? You know, I doubt many of them thought that it was a good day to die. I don't think that many of them thought that it was the day they were going to die. They certainly weren't planning on that. So I was thinking about their last thoughts. And do you think that any of them thought anything of the following? Boy, I'm glad I was able to yell at my wife that the house wasn't clean. How about I'm really happy I was able to tell my kids how disappointed I am in them. How about I'm really psyched I got to watch porn last night. 
And I'm pleased I was able to flip off that guy who cut me off on the highway. Do you think that these were their last thoughts? I hope not. Question is, if today was your last day, what would your thoughts be? Would any of the previous statements apply? And do we truly live out every day as if it is our last? The word over and over again tells us that life is but a vapor, here today and gone tomorrow. And do we live that way? Psalm 90 directs us to number our days. Skip will have a section of Psalm 90 up here as I read the entirety of Psalm 90. This is a prayer of Moses. Lord, through all the generations you have been our home, before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from beginning to end, you are God. You turned people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. For you a thousand years are as a passing day, as brief as a few night hours. You sweep people away like dreams that disappear. They are like grass that springs up in the morning. In the morning it blooms and flourishes, but by evening it is dry and withered. We wither beneath your anger. We are overwhelmed by your fury. You spread out our sins before you, our secret sins, and you see them all. With our lives, we live our lives beneath your wrath ending our days with a groan. Seventy years are given to us, some even live to eighty, but even the best years are filled with pain and trouble, so they disappear and we fly away. Who can comprehend the power of your anger? Your wrath is as awesome as the fear you deserve. Teach us to realize the brevity of our life, or teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. O Lord, come back to us. How long will you delay? Take pity on your servants. Satisfy us each morning with your unfailing love so we may sing for joy to the end of our lives. Give us gladness in proportion to our former misery. Replace the evil years with good. Let us, your servants, see you work again. Let our children see your glory. And may the Lord our God show us his approval and make our efforts successful. Yes, make our efforts successful. It's amazing as this is a prayer of Moses. Moses, as Frank says, Moses the Magnificent. And if anybody heard and responded to God's will, it was certainly Moses. But here he is praying for God to show him how to number his days. And what do we even mean? What does he mean by numbering our days? This past week, I was watching 60 Minutes in 60 Minutes had interviews with death row inmates at Texas state prisons. And I got to thinking, would I have to ask them what it means to number their days? For they know the very hour of their death. Each day is a day closer to our last. But unlike these death row inmates, how many of us will truly know the days of our life. I doubt any of us will. So most of us would rather number the stars in the heavens or the grains of sand on a beach than number our days. 
For too often, I think David shared this, we would certainly weep at the days past wasted on the desires of our flesh. And yet as we look forward, our future seems to be so far off. There's so much to do and so many plans. And yet our plans are called foolish by God. See, in Luke 12, Jesus shares this wonderful story of this rich landowner whose barns are full and his uh, harvest is plenty. And his response is to say, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger barns and fill them. And then I will be able to sit back, eat, drink, and be merry. And yet Jesus responds to him in this amazing way. He calls him what? A fool. He calls him a fool. Why does he call him a fool? Because Jesus tells us that that very night his soul would be required of him. He'd be dead. And then what would happen? He transfers his wealth to his children who wind up blowing it anyways, and that's a whole other sermon. So if numbering our days isn't about our plans for the future, then what is it about? Well, what is it that Moses actually cries out to God? He says, number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. A heart of wisdom. Numbering our days isn't a mathematical calculation. It's a recognition that our days are not our own. Wisdom is surrendering our plans to his plans our will to his will, and our lives we recognize as a countdown clock. In Psalm 90, Moses implores us to number our days, number this day as if it's our last. Live this day as if it's a gift from God and that tomorrow isn't coming for church. It is a gift, and tomorrow is not guaranteed. As we move to communion, my question to you is, have you numbered your days? Have you truly surrendered to the one who controls the number of those days? And are you seeking that heart of wisdom? As the servers gather, you know, David shared that he walked around church almost in a daze David wasn't numbering his days. And I'm sad to tell you that far too often I don't either. This scripture really spoke to my heart. For wisdom really is about surrendering what our thoughts are to his thoughts, our desires to his desires. And church, the truth is, is that Freedom comes from when we allow God to do what God wants to do in our lives. Freedom isn't us choosing what we want to do. Freedom, as Frank has said over and over again, isn't our ability to say yes. It's our ability to say no. So what is it that's in your life? What's in my life that causes me to think more about my tomorrows than about the today. It's a great lie of Satan. There's always tomorrow. Now, I don't want to be a big downer here this morning. 
Well, the truth is that I'm actually not speaking about death. Truth is that this scripture is very much about life. I think that's why the Lord really laid it upon my heart for it to be a part of Communion Sunday for this time that we have, and you guys can come forward. This time that we have this morning to share in the Lord's Supper is truly about life. I think that's what the amazing thing is. And we read in 1 Corinthians. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave, gave thanks for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after the supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick, and some have even died. But if you would examine yourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. At Bethlehem Community Church, we practice open communion, which really means that if you have placed your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, then we would ask that you would participate with us. And if you haven't, that's okay. Just pass the plate along. But the one thing that Paul asks us to do here is to truly examine our hearts. And so I think that David's testimony and his brief scripture about numbering our days was on purpose. Because I think that there is somebody here who was drawn here by the Lord who needed to hear what David shared who needed to hear what the Lord has spoken this morning. And so we're going to give it time right now. If you don't know the Lord, if you have not placed your faith and trust in him, there is no better time than right now for we need to number our days. Because on the other side is where true life is. See, our eternal hope is found in our eternity with Christ. That's life. So we're not speaking about death this morning. We're truly speaking about life. So this is a day that you can pass from death to life if you don't know the Lord. And perhaps you know the Lord. You have placed your faith and trust, but you have wandered from the path. And he's speaking to you right now about what you need to confess to him and be right. Let's take a moment, have the Lord search our hearts.
John 6. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. Now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives you life. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. At the time when Jesus brought his disciples together for the Last Supper, the Passover Seder, and I'm excited to share that with the congregation again. He said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he gave a prayer of thanksgiving, a prayer that I've shared with you before. I'll share again what he would have said in Hebrew. Baruch atah Adonai, Blessed art thou, Lord our God, King of the universe, who provides the bread of life. Father God, I thank you, Lord, that you are doing an amazing work here. Father, I see the fruit of what you are, what you are doing and how you are raising up mighty warriors here. I thank you for the faithfulness of the saints, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that you are moving in a powerful way. Lord, as we come to this time of communion, this time of the Lord's Supper, I just ask, Lord, that as we take this bread together, we truly recognize that you were broken for us that our sins are wiped clean for those who are in Christ Jesus, that you went to the cross willingly, obediently, sacrificially for me and for each one of us here. So Lord, we just thank you and praise you. Amen.